Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. Mike on Tom, how about that? Good start. Yeah. Good start to the show. <laughs> you heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray. Here with my co-host Tom Abbey. Cheers, everyone. We are rolling right now. Ready yeah. to go. It's a fun week for us. I love what we've got coming up here. Not only in the prospects that we're going to talk about, but it's Masters Week, baby. It is Masters Week. We are the eve before. Yes, sir. So getting real real excited for that. Kev with his work from home life has the best life possible for Masters Week. Oh. I am so excited to have the Masters on all day long. My jealousy is pretty high right now, I won't lie. Yeah, it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. I imagine you'll be over for lunch break tomorrow. Oh, yeah, we'll see you. Yeah. All right, let's recap uh, last week, Tom. And yeah. Well, let's talk about what's on the show this week, first and foremost. Oh, let's, we're going to talk about it. There's not a lot, actually. We don't have a ton to cover, so Masters. We're going to break down the Masters. We're going to talk a little bit about who we like. I think we each have some interesting bets. Uh, then we're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to do our rankings of linebackers and running backs for, for college football entering the draft. And that's really it yeah. as far as new stuff. Yeah, kind of a, a short and sweet pod tonight. But we've got a lot of stuff, a lot of content for those topics. Oh, so yeah. uh, I'm excited to get started. Let's talk about last week a little bit, Tom. Uh, obviously, the ending of March Madness with the championship game where Baylor ran over Gonzaga yes. in the title game, and the Hammered Sports Boys ran over the competition in our little pool that we had amongst friends. Yeah, yeah. finishing one and two. Um, both of us had Baylor. Uh, for full disclosure, we each had two brackets in there. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's not kid each other. Who doesn't put two entries yeah. into who? any any time you're doing that? Who doesn't put two yeah, entries at in? at least. Yeah. But both Kevin... Went around with the went away with the trophy. I came in second, and it was nice to have a uh, remind everyone this is what we do. It is what we do, and uh, you know, then you had little uh, golf action. Jordan Spieth back in the winner's circle after yes. four long years. Yes, good for him yeah. uh, in Texas. I know. Nice for him. It's really great to see him playing great golf again. He belongs near the top of leaderboards, and and seeing the struggles that he had was difficult to watch at times. Uh, yeah. Really nice to see him turn that around. It is for, uh, That's one of the frustrating things about being a golf fan. When you find a golfer you like, you know, when Spieth came on, it was fun to watch him, root for him, all that stuff. And then they go away. And this seems to happen to a lot of golfers. I mean, Jason Day. I was yeah. looking at some of his numbers from when he was hot. He couldn't lose for a while right. and then just gone. Uh, so it, it is a frustrating thing to see these guys come and go like that. But he's back, and hopefully it'll be – playing competitive golf consistently again the resurgence is always the fun the fun part you know yeah when somebody's had that down period and then you see them all of a sudden they start to play a little bit better and then these guys know how to close tournaments so uh, jordan spieth is a lot of people's pick this week because the way he's played as of late and i think that that's just riding the hot hand and yeah i hate that take I know. How, how hard is it to win? I know it happens, mm -hmm. but how hard is it to win one golf tournament, let alone two back-to-back? -back? You have to have so many things go right for you. Yeah. I mean, it's happened in the past, so form does matter going into Absolutely. the Masters. But uh, we'll see. We'll kind of see how this all shakes out, uh, you know, this week. And, uh, you know, then we have very little UFC action going on right now. Yeah, there's some fight nights going on, but there's nothing, uh, you know, pressing that we feel we need to cover. Um we are going to start ramping up again towards um, the next UFC pay-per-view coming up at the end of April, um, which happens to coincide with our live mock draft. It's the same night, uh, so that'll be a fun day of, uh, you know, imbibing and sports. Yeah, guys, be ready to tune in. We're planning a 2 p.m. start Saturday, April 24th. We'll be doing our live mock draft where Tom and I alternate picks for two rounds. And we're going to give you guys hopefully an idea of what you're going to see on draft night on Thursday, the 29th. And we'll try to make these selections based on what we think is going to happen, not based on what we would do if we were that team. Right. So it's basically, you know, we know the positions of need. 
where do we think that they're going to go? What, what type of player do you think that they're going to value? Uh, rather than saying, because there are a lot of situations where, like, you know, a lot of, it sounds like Mac Jones is going to San Francisco at three, right? That's, that's, what, that's what everybody's saying. That's not who I would pick for them. Nor I. But that's what it, everybody is saying is it's Mac Jones. That's what they're up there for. Though they are attending Justin Fields' second pro day throwing session. So I don't know if it's going to be enough to sway them at this point. But I, I am interested to see how that goes. But that's one of the scenarios where I would probably pick Fields or Trey Lance for them in that spot. But it sounds like they are leaning heavily towards Mac Jones as the yeah. selection at three. So it's absolutely crazy to me. And and that's just one small example of how we're gonna we're gonna go about the mock and try and make it as close to what we're gonna see. We're not gonna do the trades because it's just too difficult to predict what what's yeah. gonna happen when it comes to the trades. So, um, you know, make sure you're tuned in on that Saturday. It's gonna be fun. It'll be on Facebook Live. It'll be on YouTube. Uh, really excited for that. We had a, so much fun with it last year, and the fan interaction that we had, the, the listener interaction was awesome. I mean, yeah. that was one of my favorite parts is people chiming in as we were going. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you didn't participate last time in real time, sure, it'll be there. It's the, it's the Internet. It's there forever. Yeah. But if you're doing it real time, you can you can chime in. You can yeah. make comments. Terrible pick. What do you know? You know yeah. You can and, and give us a hard time. It's fine. We would love it. I mean, yeah. the, the more interaction, the better, the more fun that is for us. So. Um, you know, Saturday, April 24th, 2 o'clock. So uh, block off a little time that day, kids. Yeah, absolutely. Pour yourself a beverage. Absolutely. Enjoy. Join in the fun. Let's uh, let's jump right in here, Tom, and uh, let's talk about the Masters first. Masters, yes, please. So this year's Masters is a loaded field at the top, you know, as, as every Masters does. Uh, you've True. got, you know, you've got Dustin Johnson as the prohibitive favorite right now. Uh, not surprisingly, I mean, the guy is playing so well. He's the defending champion. He won in November. He's kind of good. He's so good when he's on. He is so good. I think that one of the X factors this week is the speed at which the course is playing right now. You're not going to have the soft landing out in the fairway for guys. So you're going to see a lot of uh, bounce and roll, which is really going to bring into play those guys that aren't necessarily the bombers of the ball because they can put themselves in positions to succeed still with, uh, you know, hitting it out there, getting that bounce and roll to 295, 305, and having very reasonable mid and short iron shots in, where in softer conditions they may only carry a 260, and they're forced into long iron play. So I'm really excited to, uh, you know, get an idea of – I love it when the field opens up like that and anybody can be competitive in it. Yeah. And I think that's w- what you want with a major, right? You have you want all the best golfers playing the best courses and see what happens. And I think that's what you're going to have this weekend. A lot of the good golfers are playing really well right now too. And that's that adds to the fun. You had mentioned Speeth coming on. It, it looks like as I'm looking through some picks, man, a lot of people are all over Jordan Speeth. You weren't wrong. I know. Um John Rahm just had a uh, his first child born a few days ago. He's coming. He's he's not going to miss the Masters. Um, you know he he's said multiple times this is the one event he really wants to win. So yeah, should be interesting. And then you have a bunch of guys who've been there, done that. Right. And then you got Rory. Yeah, who's obviously a great player. Yeah. You know the guys who have had success at Augusta. Either you like it or you hate it there, seemingly. So yeah. Um, you know, a couple of my picks here. I, I'll jump right in with my first pick uh, that I really like here, and that's Webb Simpson at plus 3,500 to win the tournament. Webb Simpson is a guy who plays with such control. He puts the ball well. This course, like no other, is important. It's important to be strong on the greens. If you putt it well, you're going to have a chance to compete. Uh, Webb Simpson does that very well, and with the added factor of a dry golf course, He's going to have a lot of wedges and a lot of opportunities to have birdie putts instead of avoiding three putts. I think he's a guy that can really hang in this week and have an opportunity come Sunday. He's won enough big events in his career that the pressure won't be too much for him in the moment. So Webb Simpson plus 3,500 is my first pick. I like it. I like it. Uh, Webb Simpson uh, seems to be really nice for this kind of golf course as well. Um, I'm staying true to form. And I'm Tony Fino. Give me Tony. 
Tony. All the tools just has not closed a big tournament. Um, give me, give me Tony to finally get over the hump. Uh, you're getting another plus thirty five hundred as well, along with Webb Simpson. Like these are really good values and guys who have the skill set to win these. The, my biggest fear with Tony Finau is can he close it on the greens? You know that, that at this venue it's so important to putt well. I really hope that he can get that together. He's a guy that I've been a big fan of for several years now yeah. since he's come out on tour, and he just has a hard time closing these events. So at some point, he's going to put it all together, and it's going to be his week. So um, interesting choice there, Tom. Uh, and the price on him is really high for his talent level. Yeah. Um, I'll go with my next one, too, just to get her get her going. Hideki Matsuyama, yeah. plus 4500 Again, another another um, player who just really has the skill set able to win this tournament. Uh, I'm a big fan of him in general. And at plus 4,500, it's a really good shot to take a look at it. Yeah. So for me, uh, my second pick here is Sergio Garcia, plus 5,000 in this event. You've got a guy who he absolutely has the capability to win here, as we've seen in the past. He looks like he's in pretty good form. He played well at the Players' Championship. Uh, I, I really think Sergio could be in a situation here where he is focused, dialed in. You don't have to be one of the young guns to win at the Masters. We've seen this in the past. Guys have won the event in their 40s. Sergio Garcia obviously is getting up there a little bit in age now uh, compared to the young guns that you have on tour. But he has the experience on this course. And he's playing well right now. So give me Sergio Garcia. I think f plus 5,000 is an overlay for him. And then I want to talk about uh, a couple of my long shot plays that I have this week. Let's go with a young guy in Will Zalatoris playing great golf, uh, competitive week in and week out. He has all the tools. You may not have seen him yet a lot in the, in the, you know, major, uh, yeah. in the majors or in those finishing groups. But I'm telling you, this kid is loaded with talent. It he's might be. He might be better off in a couple of couple of years after he gets some more experience, but I believe he's leading the Corn Ferry Tour right now. Correct? That was la last year. Last year. Yeah. Um, he is a incredibly talented player, and uh, I really like him in this situation. And then for my final uh, long shot selection here, let me go with a guy who controls the ball very well off the tee, and puts it as well as anyone on tour, and that's Ian Poulter. Ian Poulter is great in match play settings. He doesn't have a ton of uh, victories in the stroke play environment, but his competitiveness, his ability to drive it well, and with the extra bounce and roll this week, put him in a situation to have more wedges into greens and make those birdie putts. I like Ian Poulter at plus 12,500. How do you not just toss five bucks on a guy who can get hot as anybody out there? So Poulter plus 12,500. And then my uh, my last pick, which is my my biggest uh, swing at it, is going to be Matt Kuchar. I think when we start talking about somebody who's been there, done that, he's smooth, he can putt, he can hit greens well, and if he gets a little extra roll on some of these drives and gives himself some shorter wedges, uh, he's going to be there towards the end. Uh, um, so Kuch. What's his price tag? Plus 9000 Good. Good. It's a good so swing. This is an, an event where I like taking a couple of big swings and a couple of guys that I think are near the top. Now, listen, if you want chalk, you know, go to the the CBS websites or you know some of these some of these pundits because they don't want to take the big swings on guys who aren't the favorites. They want to they want to stick with Jordan Spieth and John Rahm and Dustin Johnson as their yeah. choices. So, if you want to choose those guys, by all means. You know, put a larger wager on those guys if you have the guts and you want to do that. I'm not that guy when it comes to wagering on golf. I'm looking for value plays that fit the golf course. Yeah. And to me, this that's what I put on my ticket every week. I've had a, a really good run of success here, uh, selecting winners at good prices here. And um, if you want to go to the chalk, go to the chalk by all means. They've, they've got plenty of people out there that will tell you to bet Jordan Spieth or John Rahm this week. Yeah. So I mean, you, you can know, do it. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean, it's okay. It's all right if you want to do that. If you want to put ten dollars to win ninety bucks on Dustin Johnson, that's cool. Go ahead. That's not me. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to put ten on Sergio to win five hundred. 
Yeah. You know, that, give me – I don't think that the, the disparity in the odds makes enough sense to take the short players because all it takes is being on the right side of this a couple of times to cover your wagers for an extended period of time, and I am ahead for the entire year now. I'm going to be able to place, you know, $40 in wagers pretty much every week through the golf season without any concern because of the hits that I've had on, on winners for the events this year. So um, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to do a Masters recap next week. It's my favorite golf weekend of the year by a mile. Sure. I mean, I love the U.S. Open, too. I love the British Open. But Masters weekend, it's a special. It's at that venue, uh, the most beautiful piece of turf on this earth. And uh, I, I just love sitting down and watching it all day, four days. Um. Onward? Linebackers? We'll talk about some linebackers now. Let's do that. All right. Why don't you jump in first? first? Let's talk about the group as a whole. Yep. So I think we have some impact linebackers at the top of this draft. Okay. Um, I feel there's, you know, two to four, depending on fit and where they get in and what they can do, that will be impact players. And then I think there's a group after that that are going to be solid NFL linebackers. Um, so this group is, is very good. I, I think this linebacking group is, is pretty solid. Um, there's some really exciting people at the top. Yeah. Um, there's some really, really good players at the top. There is not a top five pick in this group. There's yeah. borderline top ten picks sure. in this group. Um, there are guys that could be perennial all pros, really, depending on how well they develop and whether they get in the right situation. It's also, I feel like there is depth in this class, too. Yeah. So overall, I really do like the the linebacker group when you're talking about, you know, either an inside linebacker um, in a 3-4 or, you know, guys playing the weak side or strong side. We're going to talk a little bit about how everybody's suited to play as we, as we talk about them, I'm sure. Um, but... Yeah, let, let's jump right in. Yeah, there's going to be guys that we don't talk about that are going to have long NFL careers. I Absolutely. Feel in this, yeah, in this I can see here. that. I can totally see that. Um, let's jump right in, and uh, I'll give you my number 10 pick here. Let's hear it. And uh, this is a player that it, he's kind of flying under the radar here. Not a lot of people are hearing. You're not hearing his name a lot in, in draft circles. Uh, this is Garrett Wallow. Um, he's a linebacker for TCU. Garrett Wallow led the Big 12 in tackles in 2019. He had 125 tackles. Uh, he had over 90 tackles this season. He's 6'2", 230 pounds. He flies downhill. The problem, you know, the big thing is he, he, it's a measurables thing with him. That's why he's not getting a ton of run. He doesn't have those, you know, crazy measurables. But when a guy has a nose for the football and plays great defense and fits the run well, and has an idea of where to go and where to be all the time and finishes plays, I, that, that's the kind of guy that I want on my team. So Garrett Wallow is ranked number 10 for me here, and I think he's going to have a productive NFL career. Now, maybe it ends up being a little bit of special teams early and you know plugging in if there's an injury or you know getting a few opportunities to spell some people, depending on the situation he lands in. But I, I really like this guy. I like it. Um, let's get here. Uh, number 10, I have Monty Rice out of Georgia. Um, Just missed my top 10. Just missed perfect. my top 10. Well, then, perfect. Let me talk about him a little bit here. Uh, this is a guy who played at Georgia. He's played a lot of football. He's been there, seen that in the SEC for years. Um, he has... A couple of things that are, 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 are problematic at the next level, which is why he's down this far. Um, he's a very good run-stopping, quick burst, smash into the hole, stop you uh, kind of linebacker. Two problems with that. One, not exactly the best in space. Um, wasn't asked to do that a lot at Georgia. And two, he's kind of light for a guy in the NFL who's going to be standing up there smashing with the big guards and um, stuffing the run. So he's kind of in between his skill set and his size, right? So his size is more of a, a space player, and his skill set is more of a run stopper. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he tries to bulk up to, to commit to the run stopping first and second down. Here I go. Um, uh, but at this point, you know, special teams right away, 
and the ability to develop into something kind of special at that position. Um, number nine, I have Chaz Surratt, uh, linebacker out of North Carolina, very athletic family, as we all know. Um, this is going to be an interesting one, too, because I think somebody might take him earlier than this if they have the, the mindset of moving him into, like, that hybrid, you know, in, in, in my home hometown here, the Buffalo nickel role, right? He's a linebacker slash safety in the nickel role, uh, especially on first and second down, is somebody who's quick enough to stay with tight ends and um, help in that regard, but also big enough to stop the run. Um, this is a guy who, who did a little bit of everything. Um, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, or runner-up for ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, just um, amazing career. Six and a half sacks, 10 quarterback hurries in 2020. Um, just all over the place. Again, it's a size thing. He weighs 227 pounds. Um, does he bulk up, or does he use that speed and play a little bit of that hybrid role, which is very valuable in the NFL right now. So, Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll talk a little bit about Chester at here coming up uh, yeah. as well. Um, my next linebacker at number nine, I'm going to the Big 12 again. And the other guy who was a first-team All-Big 12 linebacker, and that's Tony Fields II from West Virginia. Tony Fields is uh, six foot three, and he's only 200 and – oh, he's six foot one, 222 pounds. So the comparison that I like to make for Tony Fields – is right in this same draft class, and that's uh, Owusu Koromoa from Notre Dame, right? So he's Owusu Koromoa, but can't cover like Owusu Koromoa can. He flies around the field. He loves going downhill and defending the run and making tackles. I love to see that. I don't know if he's going to fit. I don't think he can play strong safety because I don't think he has the coverage skills to do it. But I do think that he's a guy that, that will have an opportunity to play at the next level because he plays larger than his size. He makes the tackles. He makes the hits. He's aggressive downhill. He could play some maybe weak side linebacker at, at the next level. Um, but, you know, in that role, you're kind of asked to cover a little bit of the tight end action. So it's going to be interesting to see how he fits at the next level. But I think that his raw skills and his ability to go downhill and make tackles – uh, put him on the board for me at number nine. Uh, that's a guy who just missed mine. So, yeah. yeah. At number eight, I have Baron Browning from Ohio State. Uh, Baron Browning is much higher on a lot of other people's boards. Um, 6'3", 240 pounds. Uh, my problem with Baron Browning, okay, athletic, explosive, makes great plays, um, has all the skills that you're, the requisite skills that you're looking for. His productivity wasn't high enough for the skill set that he has. And that's my problem. At times, he just disappears. He, he doesn't make plays constantly. You don't just see his hear his name called all the time. His productivity isn't where it needed to be for the skill set that he holds. That is my biggest problem with Baron Browning. So, you know, he has all the potential in the world to, to kind of grow, but I think that he's missing some of that instinctiveness of a starting middle linebacker in the NFL, and hopefully that stuff can develop for him over time. Um, but that's why Baron Browning fell down my board a little bit. He's going to be a good player for somebody. I, I wouldn't even be upset if, if Miami drafted him as a Dolphins fan. That would not bother me a bit. I think that he's got all the skills to, to do everything at the next level. I think it just might take a little time for him. It might take a year or two for him to be where he needs to be. You're up, Tom. All right. What, do I, what am I at? You're at, you're at number eight. Number eight. All right, I got Jabril Cox out of LSU. Um, so this is a young man. Um, he's going to be a star in the NFL. He's got the size. He's got a little bit of that attitude. Um, I think one thing that is good about him is, is he's, he's done a little bit of everything at LSU. He's played in coverage. He's rushed the passer sometimes. Um, and the coverage is, is kind of one of the things when you look around at him and you're seeing some things, uh, those are a big plus for him. Uh, being in man coverage, getting on, on people, 6'3", 235. Uh, he's another one of these guys who's able to play athletically enough to cover with these tight ends and some of the running backs of the backfield, um, but athletic enough to get in and, and make plays in the coverage. Uh, he's going to be um, looking a little bit more like an outside linebacker. 
Yeah. Cameron McGrone is who I have next from linebacker or from yeah, from linebacker from Michigan. Uh, this guy's probably a Mike linebacker in the NFL. He's definitely going to be downhill, attacking the run, filling gaps. Um, just kind of, I mean, what do you imagine a Michigan linebacker to do, right? Right. He's he's it. He's going to be um, going at it. I'm a little concerned with some of his uh, coverage skills. I think that's why he's down this list a little bit. Because if it was just, you know, blitzing and stopping the run, he's way up here. But um, he gets a little lost. I think it's something that he has the ability to do athletically. He's going to test high and all that, but. I think that's something he just didn't do a lot of in Michigan that's going to still take some time to feel around. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. So I'm on the I'm on the board here next, right, Tom? Yes, sir. This is where I have Chaz Surratt at number seven. Uh, I think that, again, another guy who – very athletic family. He's 6'2", 228 is what he measured in at, right? So yeah. um, maybe a little light for the position, but he's productive. If you watch North Carolina film – Surratt is all over the field all the time, and you can't ignore production when you're looking at linebackers. I, you know, I say this over and over again. I, I love production from linebackers. You show me that you can pursue and make plays and close and be involved, and you should flash on film over and over again. Guys, some guys have crazy athleticism but don't flash on film like that, and they scare me. It, it really does concern me. Chaz Surratt's not one of those guys. Uh, he chases. He's great, you know, run and chase defender. They they talk about his uh, size and his play speed. I'm not worried about it because of his productivity. So Chas Surratt at number seven for me. At number six, I have Nick Bolton from Missouri. Uh, Nick Bolton is six foot, 232 pounds. Uh, the knock on Nick Bolton is he's a, he's a little short. Yeah. And he doesn't get off blocks quickly. He doesn't shed blocks very well. Um, but he's athletic, he's fast, um, you know, he he's going to be a really good run and chase guy. You know, he, he's yeah. he's going to go sideline to sideline with plenty of speed to get there. Um, I hope that his instincts are strong enough uh, to really allow him to make up for, you know, getting kind of stuck on blocks from time to time, or he can develop some slipperiness to get blocks off of him. But if you put him in a situation where you've got a big nose in front of him, um, maybe as an inside linebacker in a 3-4, and you have a big nose tackle there kind of plugging up space or taking up blocks, uh, to me that's an ideal situation for somebody like Nick Bolton, and I think he can be very productive at the next level. All right. My number six is uh, Jameen Davis. Jamin. I think Jamin. Jamin. I think. That makes sense. Um, out of Kentucky, uh, this is another one of these guys that, that fast, gets to the ball, makes tackles, um, played at Kentucky. Again, another guy who has SEC experience. Um, his his thing is going to be, you know, outside linebacker, very good in coverage. Uh, with his size at 6'4", uh, probably going to ask him to put on a little bit of weight, um, but should be easy to do. Uh, very, very fast. And then this is five is where I have Nick Bolton. Um, I like this kid. So do I. I know that you, like you were talking about the height. I mean, London Fletcher was short. Yeah, so was Zach Thomas. Didn't slow any of these guys down. So I think uh, maybe some of that uh, height thing for middle linebacker might be overhyped. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm okay with a guy at six feet at this point. But chasing the ball, making plays. Just somebody who's constantly around the football at this, uh, which is what you want. You want your linebacker there at all times, making plays, being around the football. And he'll do that. Absolutely, he will. <laughs> at Kevin, number Kevin's <laughs> killing me over here while I'm trying to do this. <laughs> at number five, I have Jamin Davis. Yeah. So it's good. Jamin Davis, he's, he's a really good player. I, I love his athleticism. He has fl- flown up draft boards this year from a really productive season. He ran a 4 4 7. They're saying that he, he may not have quite the instincts and, and he doesn't play fast yet, but I think that, that that can come for somebody who's as athletic and aggressive and uh, talented as this kid is. He's so, so long for the position. I know, I know. He can be a freak at the next level. So I really like what he does. And he seems to show some pretty good ball skills, too. His, um, 
not his tape so much, but like his pro- athletic profile and stuff reminds me a little bit of Tremaine Edmonds when he got drafted earlier yeah. for the Bills. Like <laughs> at the beginning of the, pro- the process, people are talking about him in the second round, and as it's going, he's just slowly moving up. People are going to look at him like, wow, look at this guy. Yeah. So next I have uh, Jabril Cox at number four. Oh, yeah. You got him, boy. I have him up. He's and a big, big boy. Yeah. So his biggest issue has been really taking on blocks and making tackles and being stout against the run. It's important. It is very important, yeah. But I think that he has the athletic traits to do that better at the next level. I think that that's one of the things that you can fix uh, in a much easier fashion than somebody who can't cover. You get a guy in here now like like Jabril Cox, he can already cover at the next level. Um, and, and he's absolutely going to play three downs at the next level. That's another thing that, that moves somebody up the board for me. Oh, he's got three down skill set. He's not a first and second down guy um, that has to come off the field for coverage. So I think that he's going to learn. He's going to do very well. And I think you're going to be looking at a guy that's got a long NFL career ahead of him. So Jabril Cox gets to number four on my list. I'm up. You're up. My number four is Baron Browning. Um so Barron had an interesting career at Ohio State. He was recruited to be an outside linebacker. They didn't have anyone to play middle linebacker, so they stuck him at middle linebacker for two years. Uh, his senior year this last year, they moved him to um, back to outside linebacker, and he had to learn it all over again. Uh, but his athletic traits, his size, 6'3", 241, 245 um, earlier this year, uh, he's going to do really well at the NFL level at this. This is someone who can rush the passer, drop back in coverage, um, uses his length well for somebody who's 6'3", and sets up um, making tackles. I think some of the uh, inconsistency in his um, overall production comes from that that flop, right? You're a middle linebacker for two years. Now they're moving you to the outside. So having to, to flop that becomes a – I mean, that's a challenge for anybody. So I love his skill set, and I love his ability um, – at the outside. And then number three, and this is where we start getting into guys who are impact players at the position. And I have Early, Z- yeah. And I have Zaven Collins at three here. Um, really, really good. Uh, let's start with his size. 6'4", 260. This is a guy who's going to rush the passer a lot, who's going to hold his edge, make tackles, and just in general, terrorize people on the defensive side. Um, you know, think yeah, Jamie Collins. Think Jamie Collins. Yeah. Um, think someone like that where he's not just because they're saying the same last name, I promise. Right. Uh, but somebody who's going to be on that outside, rushing the passer a lot, but also asked to make plays on the, in the run game and make plays in the short passing game. And with his size and athletic ability, I, I love him. Yeah. So uh, I'm up to number three now. Yes, sir. Right. Uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa is three for me. Uh, Owusu Koromoa has uh, all kinds of skills, and he is 6'1, 221. 6'1.5, 221. Um, he's shown plenty of productivity um, 80 tackles, 13.5 tackles for loss, 5.5 sacks in 2019. 62 tackles in the short and slightly shortened season this year, 11 tackles for loss, one and a half sacks. Um, he's a first-team All-American. He's, he's done all that you can ask for. ACC Defensive Player of the Year, Buckus Award. Um, he's done everything that you can ask. And I had a very hard time with the top three guys in this draft class um, because I think that all three of them are really good at certain things. Owusu Koromoa is going to be – He's going to be like a hybrid safety linebacker. He's, yeah. he's not necessarily a, a true linebacker of any sorts at the next level, which is the only reason that he's at three for me. It, it really is it, because I'm looking for guys who are, are true linebackers here. Um, at the top, there are two guys that I think are, are true linebackers here, and uh, I'm a big fan of, of Owusu Koromo. I think he's going to have a great career. I think he's going to get better and better as the year comes. Think uh, Jeremy Chin and Kyle Duggar from last year those guys that were listed as safeties and played a, a more of like a hybrid linebacker role isaiah simmons almost yeah. but not quite the size of isaiah simmons um, not quite the prospects i don't think of isaiah simmons either but 
um, I do like what his career has for him uh, coming up. So um, number two for me is Zayvon Collins. I have Zayvon Collins ahead of him, you know, because Zayvon Collins has a skill set that's going to be absolutely – he's got the height, weight, speed, everything that you're looking for, right? He moves well. He, he's got everything that you want out of him, but he can rush the passer extraordinarily well. Um, and he can he can actually play so many different linebacker positions. His flexibility at the linebacker role in and of itself is a big reason for my having him here at, at two. I feel yeah. like you could put him at in a 4-3 any of the linebacker positions, and he can do it. I think in a 3-4, he could be a rush outside linebacker there. Um, he could play inside linebacker there. His versatility is insane to me. Um, he has great instincts, too. He sees the plays. He knows what's coming. He's, he's very, very smart. And uh, to me, that bumped him up. Um, and I'm telling you, between two and three, this was literally a coin toss. You could put these yeah. guys in either spot. Uh, I'm at two. I have J-O-K, as we call him, back, yeah. back in South Bend. Jeremiah mm -hmm. Owusu-Koromoa. Um, I mean, this guy, every game you watch, he's just making big plays, lighting people up. Um, getting after the passer, just a little, a little bit of everything, um, and he and he will be moved around. I'm sure he'll he'll be a, the will linebacker. Uh, in comes the nickel. Maybe he drops into that safety role. You don't know if he's blitzing or if he's going to be in coverage. Um, defensive coordinators, and you could see it with his you know ranking being this high now. Uh, Ten years ago, this guy might not even you know his his draft is going to be way lower, but. Defensive coordinators want the flexibility now. They want the athletic guys who can do a little bit of everything, and that's kind of where he fits in. And I think number one will probably be the same for Kevin, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't guarantee it. But Micah Parsons um, is just a special athlete and will probably start day one at middle linebacker for whomever is lucky enough to get him and probably stay there for a long time. Um, he just seems to do everything well in his athletic like profile is kind of crazy like the, yeah some of the stuff he was able to do um, four three six forty four three six one five nine in the 10 yard splits right three cone in, of six nine six that stuff is insane bench press 19 times broad jump of 10 6 34 inch vertical all of that is going to be in the top you know 10 percentile at his position and his size is almost picture made for linebacker, 6'2", 245. He measured 6'3", and an eighth. Oh, my Lord. So, Everything about him. Um, the funny thing is about Micah Parsons is he was a five-star as a defensive end coming into Penn State. He has all of those skills. Yeah. So you can use him in so many ways. He's going to get a lot of run playing middle linebacker, but he's also going to get an opportunity to rush from the edge too so they're they're gonna be in his sophomore season he had 109 tackles 14 tackles for loss and five sacks consensus all-american and the first sophomore to ever win the buckus fitzgerald big 10 linebacker of the year this kid and then he opts out for the 2020 season you know that's fine um this kid is loaded with talent he makes all the sense in the world for a team in need of a puzzle piece that can not only play uh, you know, that inside, but the versatile piece, somebody who's going to create chaos on the offensive side. And, you know, you have to worry about him no matter where he goes on the field. You've got to ID Micah Parsons. So it'll be really fun to watch him at the next level. And I, I don't think that there was much doubt for me um, as far as where I was going to go with my number one. I think you yeah. probably feel the same. Yeah, I mean, it, it's sometimes it's just obvious, especially at the top, and he's – definitely at the top all right uh tom and i are going to take a quick break and uh we'll come back and we're going to talk about the running backs in the 2021 draft class yes sir be right back with you on we go uh after a disappointing finish to the knicks game that tom and i had to watch the end of here unbelievable by two because they make stupid decisions they, you know, they don't have a finisher why on earth did they double-team Jason Tatum 30 feet from the basket? It doesn't make any uh, sense. It makes no sense. You leave Marcus Smart wide open, he hits a three. And, yeah. you know, then Alec Burks tries to play hero ball and goes down and gets blocked, and the game's over. Plenty of time. 
they they really just lack that what finisher. to do yeah the finisher the the guy to go to who's gonna either get himself a shot or create for someone else when you have randall doing it which they do a lot in this situation the shots he t- he gets for himself are not always his best look yeah so i feel and, he, and he's, he's not become re- better this year because he's taken his shots organically when they come yes. to him not when he's trying to play iso ball that's yeah. what he did last year that nobody liked yeah, yeah absolutely so, pardon our little nba aside here a rant on to running backs, Tom, and uh, I'm not afraid to jump right in with my. Before we do, oh, let's the, the class. One more, one more funny thing about the Knicks game: uh, Knicks are down five. It's a plus three on the bet, and RJ Parrott is time <laughs> winds down, throws up a three for no apparent reason, and nuts it. So it mattered to some. Some people around the uh, the nation are upset right now. They are. Our our thoughts and prayers are with you. Absolutely. Um, running back group yeah i think this is a deep class tom i think there's three really good and then there are a whole bunch of guys who are going to fit roles uh in the nfl but not necessarily be every down ball carriers i think compared to some of the classes the last couple years this one's behind Mm -hmm. um i do think there's three guys who have the potential at the top i think we've talked about this they're probably the same three guys maybe in a different order we'll see here in a minute um but then everyone else after that is like Okay, they can do this well. Okay, this is where I see them fitting in. Um, you know, the last couple of years, it feels like we've had some really deep classes where guys are getting drafted in the third and fourth rounds that are really solid contributors right away. So, well, obviously, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, yeah. A lot to be seen, but I do feel like this is a little behind the last couple of years, running back classes. Yeah. Um, so, let's get started. Um, my number 10 and I think we're going to have a wide range of guys here. Um, yes, you know, uh, towards the bottom of this class, and we'll have differences here for sure. Yeah, I think running back is a position where it's like, what do you like? What are you looking? What what is was appealing to your eye? Yeah. So I'm going to start with a guy who uh, I think has the ability to do a lot of things at the next level, and that's Kylan Hill at number ten for me uh, from Mississippi State. This is a guy who. You know, he was second-team All-SEC uh, in 2019. He led the SEC in rushing yards per game at 103.8, 1,350 rushing yards, 5.6 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. Uh, that was before the Mike Leach era <laughs> yeah. came to Mississippi State. So this year he got off to a slow start in three games, got suspended for a game, and then opted out for the remainder of the season. So you have to have some concerns about his uh, – mental wherewithal whether he's committed yeah um, a little concerning there Uh, but he did have uh, 23 catches in three games this year playing in Mike Leach's offense so very adept at catching the ball out of the backfield and um, I I think that he fits in the NFL 5'10 214 he's got really ideal size to play at the next level Uh, ran a 4-5-40 and uh, has a 36-inch vertical. There's some explosiveness in this kid. So I think that he's a, he's a nice player at the next level, and I think that he'll get an opportunity as a, as a depth back um, and, and could potentially you know, be a third down back type of guy uh, because of his, his pass-catching ability. Um, I'm glad you have him at 10 because he just missed my list, but I think it's, he's definitely somebody that everyone should be aware of and definitely deserves being talked about. Yeah. Um, there's a couple guys like that who – I think this, again, running back, it happens where guys are taken undrafted and become stars in this league. So yeah. it's a little bit of everything in here. My, te- my, my 10, does this mean? Yeah, that? you're 10 and 9. 10. It's a guy that's near and dear to mine and Kevin's heart. Jared Patterson, running back out of UB. This is a guy I've struggled where to put. Um, it's very interesting to see. In college, he was amazing. He was un- unbelievable in the MAC. Uh how will that happen? How that translates to the NFL becomes the big thing. I think things he has going for him. He, he's a able to run the ball well. He's able to run inside. He's able to bounce outside. I know that there's some questioning about his, his uh, speed um, in the 40 time, but if you watch him play football, you see him run away from people. Yeah. And I, to a lot of times I think that's kind of not remembered, that sometimes right. – 
you know, it is what it is. Um, and he can catch the ball out of the backfield. This is a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Um, some of the people ahead of him on my list are people who aren't as well-rounded as him, but maybe are more uh, more elite at one thing or another. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I, I have Patterson coming up here on mine, so I'm just going to chime in now. Yeah. 5'6", um, 195 pounds. He has a, a strong, powerful frame, right? Yeah. Listen to his production numbers. First of all, They're he, out of the world. he led FBS in rushing yards per game this year. He had over 1,000 yards on 141 carries in a six-game season. Yeah. He had 19 touchdowns in a six-game season. He averaged over three touchdowns per game. 19 touchdowns the year prior. Rushed for almost 1,800 yards at 5.8 yards per carry. At some point, you have to realize that this is – the productivity is there for a reason. Yeah. Because this is a talented running back. And this is a guy that deserves an opportunity in – the NFL and you know nothing says that this guy can't make it as as a starter at the next level he won't get that opportunity right away but you know how the running back position is guys kind of emerge because when he gets the ball and he pops for six yards a carry and he's finding running lanes and breaking tackles they're gonna say we can't avoid giving him the ball he's got to get more time so he did, you know, he had zero receptions in the six games this year because he carried the load so much in the backfield. Yeah. Um, and Kevin Marks would come in and uh, kind of spell him in some of those third down situations where a back would typically catch the ball. But he was the bell cow, and uh, he has the ability to be a bell cow in the NFL. So I slotted him at number eight, but really like him. Uh, my number nine is Chuba Hubbard. Chuba. Um, on Oklahoma State. Uh, so this is one of those guys that is – very good at one thing, struggles at the other, right? Running the football is going to be his strength. Um, you get him in a, behind a decent offensive line, he's going to pick a hole, he's going to go, and he's going to go far. Uh, he's not easy to bring down on his on first contact. Um, your classic, you know, one cut and go kind of guy. Uh, the big problem, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield was a struggle off and on, which became a struggle for him. Because they like to throw the ball around a little bit in the uh, Oklahoma State offense. So, uh, going to be a problem there for him. And I would say, I think I mentioned this to you the other day, Kevin, this group as a whole is very good at catching the ball out of the backfield. You'll hear it multiple times tonight. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of them are very good at it. I think that's probably his biggest liability, which in today's NFL is, is a problem and, and will limit him. Yeah. And he, he did have – I have him at nine. So, oh, perfect. Um, but I can talk about him here freely. He uh, he had a lot of wide-open running lanes at Oklahoma yeah. State in that Big 12. He was the Big 12 play Offensive Player of the Year in 2019, uh, rushing for 2,000 yards. Uh, you can't discount that productivity, you know, no matter what. He had 23 catches that year, but he seems to struggle a little bit in that area. And um, – you know, he's he's a guy that I think will plug in in the NFL from time to time for uh, he's going to have explosiveness because he can run away and, and make big plays. Um, but I'm not sure that he's going to do a great job if he running through the tight holes that there are in the NFL. Yeah, uh, it's not something that he's seen a lot at Oklahoma State. Uh, so I think it could be a challenge for him. And, you know, his frame six foot two ten, um, Not a bad frame for a no, running back. Solid. Uh, so he, he checks a lot of boxes there. And then I had uh, Jarrett Patterson at eight, uh, which I talked about already. Um, productivity, productivity, productivity. You know, that means a lot. And um, I don't think that he's carried it too much to, you know, wear him down completely going to the next level. So uh, excited to see what he can do after dominating the Mac for two to three years. All right. My number eight. Yes, sir. Ramondre Stevenson out of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a one of the larger backs in this um, draft class as far as just kind of a straight downhill runner. Um, I'm a big fan of that. I would say that there's some off-the-field stuff that may make him an issue. Um, he's been suspended. A uh, couple things he's got to work on there. But when he's on the field, you know, very good. 101 rushing yard, or attempts for 665 yards last year. Um, he was able to catch the ball 18 times out of the backfield. Six 
six feet, about 235, 240 pounds, depending on when you look. Looks like the senior had 235, pro day 240. So he's a big guy. Another one who's going to be a downhill rusher. Um, then I have somebody almost the complete opposite at number seven, and Kenneth Gainwell. Um, this is somebody that I've been surprised as I'm looking around at some of the pundits in this world of drafting. They have him up really, really high. Uh, you see the potential, right? This is a guy who played in the slot a lot at Memphis. This is a guy who um, they moved around, um, and, and he probably will be hoping for a similar role in the NFL, uh, something like um, Gibson uh, who went to Washington. Gibson, yeah. yeah. Something like he had. Ironically, just, another Memphis back. Yeah. I'm just not sure this guy has the same athletic profile. Uh, 5'11, 190 pounds. Um, he's a little on the smaller side. Um, this is another thing that is, is going to, you know, we'll see. He, he needs a, a, a specific offense, which is why he's in my top 10, because if he gets that specific offense, he could be dangerous. Yeah. But he needs a very specific offense and role to be effective. Number seven for me is Khalil Herbert from Virginia Tech. Um, 5'8", 210, uh, good build, uh, explosive player, um, really good in the east-west style game, um, going side to side and then finding a lane and going up up the, up the field. Uh, the big knock on him really is he, he's kind of, uh, he lacks the patience of a great running back. He doesn't allow his blocks to set up, and he kind of runs into the back of his own guys from time to time. When you watch his film, you'll see it a lot. And then he kind of relies on bouncing off of that and, and finding an opportunity to create an explosive play. He doesn't let the blocks, he doesn't set up blocks well. Um, but his explosiveness, his ability to, to make those uh, long runs from out of nowhere, um, that, that's going to give him an opportunity at the next level. So I have Khalil Herbert at number seven. And I'll stop you there because I have him at number six, so I might as well mm -hmm. just lay in my two cents here. Yeah, I agree. I think that, again, in, in, a, in a kind of a one-cut sense, finds the hole and goes you know his vision for finding the hole is really well um but i think one of the other things about him i didn't like was some of his passing it seems like they didn't use him in it and that always makes me wonder if right. if it's scheme specific or if it's hey he's not good at this let's not make it a focal point so that would be something they'll have to sort out in pro days and whatnot um but yeah running the ball very good um and here we go 11 games in 2020 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns. Yeah. Ain't bad. Ain't bad. Next on my list, uh, Kenneth Gainwell. Um, he's a specific type of player. We talked about yeah. this. He, ha he, has, he has that ability to – he caught 51 passes in 2019. You know, that, that, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. He ran the ball 231 times for over 1,400 yards. A uh, lot of productivity there. Um, freshman All-American, first team All-American uh, Athletic Conference, AAC Rookie of the Year. So all kinds of uh, positive things to say about him. He was on a pretty good team, um, you know, in that conference that was explosive offensively. But I love his versatility and what he can do. I just don't see him as an every-down back in the NFL, and that's why yeah. he fell down my list a little bit. Exactly. If he were an every-down type of back, then that's the kind of guy that I would like. You know, that, that's the kind of guy that I like on my list is the guys who are every-down type of backs, not somebody who um, I project more as uh, a third-down threat early in his career, um, potentially getting some opportunities to – you know, the Gibson thing was a good comparison, you know, or, uh, you know, you look at guys – uh, at the NFL level now, y you see like Dave Meggett back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You remember what he, you know? Return ability, explosive ability in space would come in on third down. Uh, you could trust him in pass protection. James White more, more James recently. James White more recently, yeah. Um, those type of players. Uh, I think he's more explosive than James White is, yeah. um, which will you know probably boost him up a little bit here on the board. Some teams will like him. Dave Meggett, what a deep pull! I know, right? Man, I went way back. All right, you're next. Um, so six, I did have Khalil Herbert, who we went over. Um, so five, I have Michael Carter um, out of North Carolina. If you watch any of the Senior Bowl practices or games, he jumps out multiple times with his. It's not just his speed. His speed's good, but it's his those short area quickness is crazy. Uh, being able to make people miss in, in, in a phone booth kind of guy. Definitely going to be something he helps. Also, very well at catching the ball. He he 
and his counterpart, Javante Williams, were just nasty in college and just really made life hell for defenses. Um, but I think he has, has his limitations with being an every down back. I think he, you know, is going to be that change of pace running the ball and that very good um, in the passing game for them. Yeah. Um, next. Oh, that was it for you. Cause yeah, you, yeah. Cause I jumped on Khalil's right. life. That's right. Um, next for me is Trey Sermon, um, at number five. I have Trey Sermon here. Um, so here's, here's my concern, right? <laughs> uh, four years in college. Uh, he only started 21 of his 45 games at the college level, two starts at Ohio state. He rushed for 331 yards in one game for Ohio State this year and finished with 870 yards. So, you know, nearly a third of his production, more than a third of his production, uh, well more than a third of his production, <laughs> took place in one game this year. Yeah. Um, you can see the flashes and moments that, that make him uh, where he is here. He, The thing is, it seems like he wants to bounce everything. You know, he, he looks like a guy that wants to bounce outside when you're – playing for Ohio State with a bunch of guys that are going to get drafted, you're going to have those opportunities. But I want to see more inside tough running from him. The problem is I feel like he runs upright, don't you? I mean, yeah. when I watch him, he looks like he's running upright way too much. And there aren't very many guys that get away with that. Derrick Henry got away with it. But he's a monster. But he's unbelievable, yeah. I don't know if Trey Sermon can get away with that. He's had some injury problems that are concerning to me. Yeah. Um, that's why Trey Sermon is here for me at five. Um, at four, uh, that's where I have Michael Carter slotted. Uh, Michael Carter is five seven two zero one. Ooh, yeah. Eight yards per carry this year in an eleven game season for North Carolina, um, playing in the ACC and playing against some decent competition. You know, they they played uh, Notre Dame, right? Their, they, their you know, offense was so much fun to watch yeah. this year. Um, he also catches the ball very well. He is what I see as a potential every down back in the NFL. Some people see him more as a change of pace, like home run hitter. Like I just said. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that he has the potential to be an every down guy because of his productivity running between the tackles, too. So, you know, they think that his body type is the concern for running between the tackles. I mean, he's thick but for a guy that's yeah. that height. Yeah, I mean... I see him more, you know, and interestingly, you know, enough, here's a, a good comparison that Dane Brugler made. He thinks he's a slightly lesser version of Dalvin Cook. Same kind of body type, explosive, has the ability to catch the ball. I can see that. I don't think he's Dalvin Cook. Right. I think that, but he could be an every down back in the NFL. So, um, you know, I, I like that comparison that Brugler made, and, and I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Michael Carter. I think that I had, that's why I have him slotted above Kenneth Gainwell. I think that he's, yeah. more likely to we both get. did yeah, yeah exactly um definitely more well-rounded yeah um we just had carter and sermon flip i have sermon at four a lot of the same stuff kevin said the, the talent is clearly there um you can you can see it um just takes off he looks like he's shot out of a rocket sometimes yeah. and he goes and uh it's it, it's going to be interesting how these guys evaluate him because if you're going about potential He's right up there at the top where you and I have him, 5'4 here. Right. Um, but if you're going about some other things, there's some there's some things off the field that happened in, in Oklahoma that got him out of there, right? Like yeah. He didn't just leave because he, did, he didn't want to be in Oklahoma anymore. So there's some of that. And then uh, one of the benefits is, I'm, uh, as I'm looking, he hasn't had 200 carries at all in a season. Uh, he, he may have some good good fresh legs for a long yeah. long career, you know, so those are things you want to look at too. But I think this is someone who can run the ball fast. Stretch plays with him are going to be dangerous. Um, and I think he's going to be somebody who can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's showing a little bit of, of skill with that as well. And, and, again, his athletic profile is just crazy. Yeah. Uh, number three, as we get to the top three, which I think we both have said before, this top three is, is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, and I start with Javante Williams at three. Um, this was tough. I almost had him at two for a while. Um, I think this is what a NFL running back looks like. 5'10", 220, quick, strong, um, a lot of that stuff. Uh, 
it'll be interesting to see him get to the NFL and, and, and kind of how he develops as far as it's a lot different running the ball in the ACC. 19 touchdowns this year. Yeah. Just um, versus an NFL. So it'll be interesting to see that. But I think with his frame, his skill set, I mean, he, he shows again and again he's able to consistently carry the ball 20 times a game and not, not wear, wear down, which is nice to see. Right. So for me at three, I went with Travis Etienne here. And, it, you know, it, I think it's a toss-up amongst a lot of these three guys here. But um, Travis Etienne for me is uh, at three. And that's primarily due to the fact that, yes, he, he has big explosive plays. He's also fumbled the ball eight times in his career. Yeah. Um, he averaged 13 carries a game in college. I don't know if he can carry the workload as an every down back in the NFL because he's never had to do it at this at this program. You know, they, 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 so many times they're ahead by a ton and their starters are on the sideline. And I, I don't know if he can carry the load every single every single week you know, carrying the ball 300 times in the course of a season, you know, and, and being that every down dude, right? He also doesn't pass protect all that well. Those two things are the factors that have him at three for me and not at two or one, um, you know, because I like the other two guys that I have above them, above him better at, at a couple of those things. So, yes, explosive. He's going to be a playmaker in the NFL. I believe that. But – there are two guys that I think are better running backs in this class. Um, at number two for me is Javante Williams. Uh, like Tom said, you know, five, almost 5'10", 212 pounds. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what he weighed in at, at the combine anyways. Um, four five forty, 40, which is fine. 10'3", uh, broad jump. Explosive athletic profile. Um, you know, I think that he's got great power. He's got the ability to, you know, get – hit and stay on his feet and guys have to have to do the right things to tackle him right this is a guy that has everything he's more powerful than any of the backs in this draft aside from maybe the guy at number one um and, and i love his profile for the next level so javante williams at two for me yeah and i have travis Etienne at two you know we were just talking about how i had to go back and forth between the two i think the thing i love about Etienne. Um, is it the the work he put in while at college? Um, he struggled early on at being a pass catcher, and he fixed that so much yeah. so that it became a plus for him as he's going into the NFL. We've seen guys struggle with fumbles. It's fixable. It's it's yeah. coachable. So that doesn't worry me too much. Ninety percent of the running backs coming into the NFL struggle with pass protection. So these are definitely things he has to work on, but I feel like those things are, are something he can work on. He's shown the ability to, to be told, hey, you need to get better at this and get better. So his plus traits win me out. Plus, I mean, ACC's all-time leading rusher. Yeah, uh, That's pretty impressive uh, to have in your resume. I would say, you know, how does that wear him down as he goes forward with his career? Maybe something to look at. Obviously, it won't matter his first contract necessarily, but... Um, I mean, he, he's going to – some some offensive coordinator is going to have a lot of fun putting him in places Absolutely. and matchups. And then – Najee Harris. Najee Harris. Let's just talk about him together. We both have him number one. Yeah. Um, he's the most well-rounded of all the backs, he right? He really just is really good. He can catch. He can pass protect. Another, yeah. Another guy who runs upright, though, too. Yeah. 230 pounds, though. It's big. So at six foot and change and 230 pounds, you can get away with it more than you can when you're – upright and only 205 yeah, for you sure, know yeah. so um Najee Harris the the big knock on him is the lack of explosion plays but what are you looking for out of your running back are you looking for somebody who can hit one for 80 yards you know every six games or are you looking for somebody who is consistently going to bang out six yards of carry for you make the blocks when you need them catch the ball out of the backfield on third down that's the type of running back I want. How many how many touchdowns did Javante Williams have? You just said nineteen. Harris had twenty six. Yeah, a crazy amount of production. It's he has a nose for the end zone yes. on top of, you know, he, he knows how to get there. Maybe not from forty five and fifty yards out, but he knows how to get there, right? Yeah. And you don't need to have the breakaway speed, right? 
Uh, what did uh, we looked at it earlier? Derrick Henry ran four, four five, 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 four, in five, it, five yeah. in his forty. Um, let's see, what do we have here for Najee Harris? Uh, eh, he didn't run a forty because he doesn't, he doesn't need, need to. to. Yeah. But uh, uh, let's talk about catching the ball. Yeah. Out of fifty-three targets in twenty twenty, he caught forty-three of them. Yeah. For four hundred twenty-five yards and four more touchdowns. Uh, this is just one of those things where there, there's not much he can't do. Um, physically gifted as anybody you'll see. Um, he scored 50 combined touchdowns in the last two seasons. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah, 50. 50 touchdowns. Um, averaging 5.9 and 5.8 yards per carry, um, playing in the SEC. and He's got a great story. Yeah. He was homeless growing up and um, kind of fought through all that. and Yeah dove into football knowing it was a way out and so really nothing you can do to knock his his stock i find it um you know we talked about the three williams atn harris but i think he harris has distanced himself in looking at the three where it's harris one and then atn williams you know you had him two three item three two yeah it could have gone either way but i think harris has distanced himself i do too so uh, that's going to wrap up our preview this week, guys. And uh, I hope you guys are enjoying kind of hearing about these prospects. This work that we put in to prepare for the NFL draft, you know, it, it's awesome when you come to the 2021 NFL season and you know who the rookies are that are, that are here. You know, it culminates in the NFL draft for us on April 29th when we're going to be ecstatic to, to sit down and watch it. Um, hope to get together some of my buddies that day and uh and watch the draft it's going to be a great time uh tom what do you have for us in closing what are we going to talk about next week next week's gonna be fun we're going to talk a little bit about the uh masters how that wraps up we have a long we're going to do one we've been doing multiple positions but next week because of wide receiver and the craziness it it brings with it we're going to go one one group wide receivers but we're gonna go 15 deep yeah we're gonna go 15 deep it's gonna be a little fun um, we may or may not cover the UFC fight night. There's some talk of a couple guys being added to it, but the main event's not bad, but I think we'll kind of wait and see what comes of that. All right. Um, look forward to getting back with you guys next week. Um, at hammered underscore sports on Twitter, hammered sports podcast on Facebook. And, um, I, I really hope you guys can tune in on April 24th, yes. uh, two o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and watch the live mock draft this we put a lot of work into leading up to this, and we can't wait to have the interaction with you guys on that day. Um, but until next week, we'll catch you all later. Uh, uh.